African mythology is as beautiful as it's vast. The continent, after all, contains many languages, tribes, and cultures as diverse as the Nilotic peoples of Egypt to the Sun and Shona in southern Africa. Hi there! Welcome to Stories That Made Us. This week, we traverse through the great African continent and bring you the creation myths of four tribes. The Dinka of South Sudan, the Dogon of Mali and Burkina Faso, the Efe of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and the Efek of Nigeria and Cameroon. The first tale is of the Dinka. They are the descendants of an ancient people who are native to South Sudan and had settled along the River Nile. This particular name Dinka has been given to them by the Europeans. They actually call themselves Mwanjang or Jiang. They have traditionally engaged in agriculture and animal rearing and herding. Domesticating and rearing cattle constitutes a major part of their livelihood. The animal is of supreme importance to the Dinka from a cultural as well as a practical point. The cattle form the basis of Dinka livelihood, religion and social structure. Their creator god is a divine force, Nihilic. He is the high god and the source of sustenance. The creation of humans is the centerpiece of their origin myth, and Nihilic, also known as divinity or supreme being, rarely bothers himself with the affairs of mankind. We will speak of two creation myths of the Dinka. The first is the more widely believed and popular tale. The second is a variant that is more commonly found in some sections of the tribe. So then, Let's begin with the first. Nihilic is the principal deity, the god of all. It was the first to have been formed and exists as the supreme being who lords over all life and matter. When divinity decided to begin with creation, it first provided order to the universe. The heaven and the earth were then fashioned out of nothing. After making the world, he created the first man, Garang, and the first woman, Abuk. Now there are many legends on how the two were born. Some say the divinity blew its nose, and from there emerged the humans. From one nostril came the tall Dinka, and from the other came the dwarf. Others believe that humans were first formed in the sky. They were then placed in the river from which Garang and Abuk emerged when fully formed. The most prevalent myth, however, suggests humans were molded in the shape of the Creator. They were made from the fertile clay that divinity obtained from the basin of the river Nile. Now the first man and woman were tiny. These little clay figures the deity then put in separate pots which were covered. After a while, Garang the male emerged from his pot, fully formed, as did Abuk the female. After Abuk and Garang were born, 
The Supreme Being instructed them to procreate and populate the world. The deity then advised that children should eventually die, but only for 15 days, after which they will return back to the earth. Garang objected to this, fearing the lack of food if no one died. He was opposed to the population growing unchecked. Supreme Being did not like the thought, but agreed nevertheless. This is how death became permanent for mankind. Back in the day, the heaven and the earth were connected by a rope. Those who wished to reach Nihilic could climb the rope and find an audience with divinity. Now the Supreme Being had instructed Abuk and Garang to plant and grind just one grain of millet a day for food. Divinity believed this to be sufficient for their livelihood and survival. Abuk, however, decided to plant and grow and harvest more than one grain. When she went to pick the millet with her long-handled hoe, she accidentally struck the god. The deity was enraged. Not only did Abuk disobey the Supreme Being and harvest more than a grain of millet, but she also had the temerity to strike at God. Divinity thus decided to withdraw from earth. He fashioned a small blue bird named Atok and sent it to sever the rope that links the heaven and the earth. He thus left mankind alone and to its own devices. Since then, without any guidance from Nihilic, humanity has had to toil for food. Illness became widespread among the people without Nihilic's healings. And death, as wished by Garang, plagues us to date. The second myth is known in the land of the Agar Dinka and the Rek. These are varieties of the Dinka language that are spoken among some of the Dinka people living in very geographical areas. According to this version, the earth had already existed since the beginning of time. But there was no light. Thus, one could not distinguish heaven from earth. Sky and land seemed to merge as one in the darkness. In this dark realm, divinity created men, most notable of whom was Aru Pabek. The name for dawn in Dinka is the word Ru, which is in respect of Abu Pabek the man who first brought light into the world. Now in the dark world, Aru was given eyes by divinity so he could hunt game. After the man had hunted his first animal, he offered the prized four-leg meat to the wife of divinity. Pleased by Aru's devotion, she asked the Supreme Being to reward the man. Divinity instructed Aru Pabek to name his wish, and the man promptly said, Dear Divinity, if there were a little light in the world, enough to just take a peek at the heaven above and the earth below, that would be wonderful. I would ask you to give us light. Nihilic, however, was disinclined to accept this request. Instead, Divinity offered him a spear, which the man refused. Spurred on by his wife, the Supreme Being then offered Arupabek an axe, which he grudgingly accepted. He pondered how to best use his gift. After much thought, 
He walked to the place where the sky ended and the earth began. There he took his axe and struck, thus dividing the earth from the sky. As the sky, freed from the earth, floated upward, a spark lit up in the east. This spark became the sun. Divinity rushed to Arupabek and angrily shouted, Why did you do this without my instruction? Why did you break the sky and the earth apart? Saying this, the Supreme Being pushed Arupabek, along with all men and women, down to a corner of the earth. Divinity then closed up the earth, thus separating it from the sky, for once and for all. Now back then, there was a narrow path upon the land, where all men had to walk through to reach out from their corner to other areas and populate the world. Nihilic, however, stuck reeds along this path, much like the way we use reeds to catch fish today. Divinity also fashioned a spear with which he struck the men in the head as people sought to leave the cramped corner of the earth. This is how Supreme Being punished people for Arupabek's disobedience. The deity waited with the spear and killed any who came out. The distraught people gathered around Arupabek, asking, nay, pleading for a solution. You have got us into this mess, they accused the man. Please, sort this out lest we all should die for your transgressions. Arupabek asked for some time to think and come up with a solution. Eventually, he took a stone and put it on his head. The man then proceeded to walk toward the dangerous path. When divinity struck him on the head with the spear, the stone deflected and broke the weapon. This, of course, made Nihilic very angry, and the deity left mankind alone forever. Never has anyone seen the Supreme Being since then. The next story is of the Dogon. The Dogon people of Africa live near and around the famous Bandiagara Cliffs in the central plateau region of present-day Mali, and Burkina Faso in West Africa. Their creation story is one of the most elaborate and fascinating explanations of the origins of the world and of human culture. The universe in the beginning was a void where nothing existed. Nothing but a giant egg, the Aduna Tal. Suddenly, vibrations were felt inside the egg. In time, the vibrations became stronger and stronger and sent pulses of shock through the cosmic egg. Seven times the egg shook, each more violent than the other. Now as it shook, it grew larger in size. The shell of the egg expanded to encompass the entire universe. This is when creation was born. For it was at this time that there emerged Amma, the first conscious being, the creator god. The deity had but one goal, to fashion the world. To do this, he first divided the egg into two birth sacs, each containing a pair of twins. 
These pairs of twins were called the nomo. In each placenta were a male and a female twin, but they were androgynous, for each twin contained the essence of both the genders. Now while the twins were being formed inside the maternal egg, Amma proceeded to make the universe. He made the sun and the moon from clay and put them in the sky. With the remaining clay, he made little pellets, which he then threw into the heaven. These pellets are the stars and light the world sees at night. In the maternal egg, meanwhile, something was wrong in the making of the first pair of twins. The male was born before his due time. He hatched from the egg, not completely formed. Now as he broke free, a piece of the placenta fell into space. This piece became the Mother Earth. The male Nomo that came out of the egg was called Ogo or Yurugu. But he was born before his time and was thus not wholesome in nature. He turned out to be a rogue and a trickster. Ogo searched for his companions, the other Nomo, but found them to be still incubating in the eggs. Alone, he looked at the sun and the moon and became jealous of Amma's creation. He decided to take Mother Earth for himself and make his own creation. He, after all, was convinced he could make a better world than the heaven where Amma resides. Ogo or Yurugu thus formed a plan. He first decided to steal the Kize Uzi, the Phonio seed. Now this seed was kept aside by Amma, for with it he wished to sell the earth when the time was ripe. After stealing the seed, Yurugu fled to Earth Mother and tried his hand at creation. But something was amiss. No matter how much he tried, all of his creation was unwholesome and deformed. These creatures made by Yurugu are the evil spirits and ghosts that plague mankind even today. The earth, meanwhile, was devoid of light and any features. It was just a dry sphere where dust and sand bellowed all the time. It was inhospitable and nothing could flourish, no matter how much Yurugu tried. Eventually, he realized creation would never be complete without his twin. So he went back to heaven to find his female pair and bring her back to his earth. But alas, when he reached the maternal egg, he found his twin, as indeed the other pair of Nomo, to be missing. He searched all over, but could not find his feminine pair. Bereft of ideas, and utterly lost, Yurugu prayed to Amma for guidance and help. But the Creator God was angry at him for having interfered with his plans, for making the earth before its due, and for stealing the Phonio seed. He banished Yurugu back to earth, where he still roams in the darkness and in the dry desert, searching for his female twin. Now the second pair of Nomo twins had fully formed. They were taken by Amma and came to represent the dualities in nature, the male and female, 
darkness and light, good and bad. Their arms and torsos resembled humans, while the lower body was serpentine. They lived in the water and had the essence of creation inherent in them. Amma looked at Mother Earth and was saddened by the terrible acts of Urugu. He wished to cleanse and remake the world, making it fit for life. He instructed the Nommo to descend from heaven and upon earth to do exactly that. The twins thus came down a great ark known as the boat of the world. After they arrived, they collected many cosmic fibers and with it, knitted and clothed the earth in green. This is the grass and moss that covers the surface of the earth. Nomo also wove the essence of life within these cosmic fibers. This is how earth became fertile for sustaining life. Now Yurugu saw the work of the other Nomo and was jealous of their success. He, after all, had tried to jumpstart creation but had failed miserably. He attempted to steal the green fabric that was woven for Mother Earth and had, for a moment, succeeded. Eventually, Amma had to intervene and return the fabric back to Earth. The deity then realized that Urugu still meant to despoil the Earth and hamper any efforts that the Nomo would undertake to affect creation. He thus decided to create four more sets of twin Nomo males and females again, who would become the ancestor spirits of mankind and inhabit the earth. They were to live as per the guidelines of Amma. This is how the first of many men and women came to the world. They came from the Nomo, the beings where the males had the essence of the females and the females with essence of males. This is why both men and women sometimes exhibit qualities of the other. The Nomo taught the first people that human life should not be measured in terms of material success or the erection of tall architectural buildings and machines of destruction. Blessed are those who are governed by ideas about completeness and meaningfulness of human life. This is a concept that runs deep throughout the Dogon society. Amma then needed to restore the imbalance caused by Yurugu's evil deeds. So he called the newly created men and women to heaven, and once there, he gave each of the ancestors one of the phonial seeds, the very same that he had saved for mankind, the very same that Yurugu had stolen long ago. These are the seeds that are grown and eaten by the Dogon people even today. Moreover, he taught the ancestors how to carve wood, smelt metal and grow crops. He showed them the art of healing, weaving and divinations. Amma taught our ancestors how to form and govern our society. Finally, to the first and oldest ancestor, the deity gave a granary made from a clay-lined basket that was shaped like the universe. Now while Amma had given mankind many gifts and had made it so that sun shone brightly at day and the moon lighted the night, 
there was one thing that was still missing from the earth. It was, of course, fire. The first ancestor, the very same who had been gifted the granary, thus stole a piece of sun from the celestial smithy. He hid the glowing coal inside some bellows. When he suspected the path to be clear, he fled from heaven with the stolen fire. It did not, however, go very smoothly. He was soon found out by one of the Nomo who tried to stop him by hurling lightning strikes. The other Nomo realized what was going on and hurled thunderbolts at the man as well. The thief, however, saved himself by deflecting the strikes with the bellows. Eventually, he escaped heaven by sliding down a rainbow. This is how fire was first brought to mankind against the wishes of Amma and the Nomo. Tumbling behind the ancestor was the clay granary gifted to him by the deity. The granary smashed on the ground and from it sprang animals and vegetables. This is how all creatures that populate the world came to be. Now the ingredients were all present for creation to flourish in the world. Nevertheless, it still took Amma and the Nomo another 22 years to order the universe. This was done to balance the cosmos and set the governing rules of the universe. Meanwhile, down in the earth, the first Dogon people have lived as per the guidance of their ancestors and the Creator God. They built their homes and designed villages and fields according to Amma's plan for the universe. This is how they live even today. That is the end of the Dogon myth of our creation. We now visit the Efe. The Efe are people of the Ituri forest region of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The tribe, along with the Aka, Sua, and Mbuti, are collectively known as Bambuti, or more commonly, Pygmies. Theirs is a patrilineal culture, and the people have flourished predominantly as hunter gatherers. The Efe, like the other tribes, have lived in the Ituri forest since as early as 2500 BC. Interestingly, the pharaoh Nefrikare of Egypt knew of them and called the people the Dancing Dwarves or the People of the Trees. Their story is more of an origin of death rather than a fully developed creation myth. The first man, Batsi, was made out of clay by the Supreme Being. The deity did this with help from the moon. He then covered the figure with skin and filled it with blood. Batsi lived alone in the world for a long time, surviving in the wild. When the time was right, unbeknownst to Batsi, the Supreme Being similarly fashioned a woman out of clay. He then presented her to him. They, as indeed all mankind, were free to do whatever they wished upon the earth. But there was but one rule, that is, to not eat from the Tahu tree. 
So as time flew, Batsi fathered many children and mankind prospered. They lived a fulfilling life. And when the men and women were tired of living on earth, they simply went to heaven. Everything was beautiful and life was wondrous for Batsi and his descendants. Now one day, a pregnant woman had a craving for the tahu fruit. She really wished to know how the fruit tasted. The forbidden fruit seemed delicious and the woman fantasized of its sweet and succulent taste. She convinced her husband to pluck the fruit and bring it to her. Now at night, when nobody was watching, the husband went to the tahu tree. However, while the husband thought that no one spied, the moon did indeed see the man picking the fruit in the dark, and she naturally went and told her co-creator, the Supreme Being. Because of this act of disobedience, we all now suffer the punishment of death. The final story is of the Efik. They are inhabitants of the Cross River state of Nigeria and Cameroon. They are a patriarchal tribe that is led by a king. This is their tale. There was nothing but a void in the universe for a very long time. In this void, first emerged a Basi. The deity is the creator and the god of the universe. He is the all-powerful god worshipped by all Efik. Some say the deity shows himself as the sun and they worship him at dawn every day. Abasi created the world. He created the earth, stars and all wildlife. He then made the heaven as his own abode. This is where he and his wife Atai lived. Atai is a wise goddess and Abasi turns to her for advice and opinion. The world continued like this for a very long time. Eventually, Atai was bored, for existence was dull. She asked the deity to make sentient beings, those who would be able to think, talk and worship them. This is why Abasi created the first man and woman. In the beginning, the ancestors of us all were innocent and had little knowledge. Abasi and Atai looked after and protected them. But the humans eventually grew smarter and knowledgeable, imitating the actions of the deities. Humans were, after all, sentient beings. One day, the first man and woman looked down at the earth from the sky. They saw a green world full of teeming life and wondrous beauty and wished to reside there. But when they asked Abasi if they could leave the sky and subsist on earth, the god declined. Abasi feared the humans, for in making the sentient beings, he worried that mankind would soon match the god in knowledge and wisdom. Given enough time, the god fretted whether humans would even surpass his own knowledge. Our ancestors, however, were undeterred. They went to Atai and pleaded with her to allow the two to reside upon earth. 
Initially, Atai too was opposed to this, but she slowly came around. The goddess then went to her husband upon request by the humans to plead on their behalf. When Atai presented Abasi with the request, the god aired his concerns to her. After pondering over the problem for a while, Atai proposed a compromise. Let the humans go and live upon earth, she said, but they would be commanded to return to the sky every day to have their meals. Abasi thought about this and added, Mankind would be forbidden to hunt or farm. The two would also be forbidden to wed and have children. That way, they would never have a large enough number to challenge us for our power. Having thus been pacified by his wife, Abasi granted humans to live upon the earth, subject to the conditions mentioned above. The elated humans left for the earth. For a while, Atai and Abasi's plan worked. The humans would return to the sky each day for meals and would abstain from farming, hunting and copulating. But by and by, the woman was tired of the two gods' involvement in her life. She decided that she was sick of being fed like a helpless child. Thus, Without telling a soul, she went out and planted a seed. As time went by, she had a field full of crops and vegetables. Thus, when time came to go to the sky for meals, the woman began to refuse, saying that she wasn't hungry. One day, when the man visited the woman to ask her to accompany him to the sky, he found that she was working in the garden and growing food. The woman then calmly explained to the man, The gods think of us as helpless children, feeding and taking care of us all the time. They have forced us to be without knowledge and skills. I refuse to be treated like a dependent and mindless animal. I am, therefore, working to be self-sufficient. The man listened to her and found himself agreeing. Why should their lives be conditioned on the benevolence of the deities, after all? They should be allowed to be free from the meddling gods and live their lives according to their own whims and fancies. He consequently decided to help her. The two refused to go to heaven from then onwards. Before long, the man and the woman found themselves working the fields together and growing closer. They fell in love. They did not return to the sky ever again. Many years went by and the two had many children. When the kids came of age, they too joined their parents working in the field. They continued to learn the secrets of the earth. They began building houses, fashioning weapons and exploring the land. By now, the first man and woman had generations of descendants living with them. They sought to hide their offsprings from Abasi and Atai, but were eventually found out. When Abasi realized the extent to which mankind had gone against his wishes, he was very upset. He blamed his wife for having convinced him to let mankind reside upon the earth. The goddess Atai was quite upset with mankind as well. 
She told Abasi that she would take care of the situation and would punish mankind accordingly. She thus sent evil into the world in the form of death and discord. Since then, mankind began to die. They became consumed with evils like jealousy and greed and spent their knowledge and energy in fighting, competing and arguing amongst themselves ever since. They stopped working together to unlock the secrets of the world and began to focus on ways to usurp, alienate and eliminate one another. Even today, while we still make progress in our understanding of the world, Atai's curse ensures that we would never gain full knowledge of the universe. We would never be able to surpass the wisdom of Abasi. These stories are all we have time for in this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to the tales of our origin. If you did, help us out by leaving a feedback and a rating on whichever platform you use to listen to our podcast. It helps others discover us and also encourages us to improve. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Instagram. So join us by checking out the handle at stories thtmdeus for both of those apps. If that's not enough, email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com with your feedback, questions, or just to say hello. Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back again next week. Until then... It's goodbye.